Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, we're currently in a series studying the book of 1 Peter. Tiny little book at the end of our Bibles. Uh, Though it's small, it does offer quite a punch as far as practical living. Written by the Apostle Peter, the one who had the front row seat to the three years of Jesus' uh, earthly ministry. And I think Peter is one of those kind of guys that's just easy uh, to relate to because he's flawed just like you and I. He has his ups, he has his downs. Uh, He has his doubts, he has his conflicts within. And uh, this is just one of the reasons I think it's so easy to identify uh, with this man. He is someone who has to work through the struggles of life just like uh, you and I. And, And I'm so glad God didn't write off Peter when he didn't get it right all the time. Well, we entitled this series, Called to be Different. What does that mean? As a follower of Jesus, our lives would be marked as different than anything else that you see in the world. And and I realize there are different callings uh, in life. But yet it's something that's absolutely important as a follower of Jesus. Because we are to live a different standard, and that requires a daily calling. Our God is calling us to live differently. Now, when you think of calling, we think of often what we're called to do. Uh, You know, what am I called to do? But God starts with the who before he gets to the do. Um, Our God is more concerned with who you are, and then he becomes concerned of what you do. Because if you don't get the who right, you won't get the do right. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Remember last week. We said, if you fully embrace our, uh, our identity in Christ, it will radically impact the behavior uh, in this world. And we looked at uh, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and that's where we discovered who we are. We are a, a chosen uh, people. We are, are part of a royal priesthood. We're part of a holy nation. We're God's special possession. That is who we are. And when we know who we are, it does impact what we do. And you find that in verses 11 and 12 of that uh, same chapter. Because we know who we are, we're going to live in such a way. And then Peter talks about right there, because we know who we are, because we are to live a certain way, we have to go against, we have to war against sin. Because sin is at war with you. Sin is at war with us. And so we got to go to war Uh, with our sin because sin is at war with us we also talked about do what is right even when you feel like you're being treated wrong that goes back to you can do this if you know who you are and the thing is if we do these things if we do those things the day may come when those who criticize you will praise god because of you so that kind of just goes back to if you know who you are you'll do what is right because you know who you are. Now, Peter's going to give us um, a few examples, and we're going to find it right here in uh, chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up in 13. But I'm going to say to you right now, today's message is not a message that I have been looking forward to. In fact, I was so tempted to skip over these verses. In fact, I was trying to figure out to do anything. I was even willing to give it to somebody else to preach, because as I read through these verses, I was like, I don't think I've been doing a very good job living out these verses, especially in this last year. 
I really have struggled with this passage. And for some of you, when we read these passages, this passage of Scripture, the hair on the back of your neck may even stand up this morning. So I don't know if you're intrigued or not, but uh, Peter says a few things that causes me a little bit of anxiety, a, a little bit of consternation. So let's just take a look at it uh, this morning. First Peter chapter 2, picking up in verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of the foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You know, there's so much for us to learn from these verses as we think about what God is teaching us about our lives, what he's teaching us about government, what our lives, how our lives interact with government, even government, by the way, that makes it hard to follow Jesus, which, by the way, is the case here in 1 Peter when this book was written. And yet you see God commanding the followers of Jesus to submit to human institution, to be submissive to a, gover uh, to a government for the Lord's sake. And when we do that, the Bible says it actually glorifies God to submit to the government that is around us. Obviously, it is not our ultimate authority, but we are to submit because it's a good institution that was designed by God, while our supreme submission, obviously, is to God. In other words, in the, as the book of Acts says, we obey God rather than men. When we're faced with an order, though, from the government that would involve disobeying God, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we begin to think, okay, what is right? What is wrong? Because ultimately, we know we're to obey God. But the question is, how do you submit to authority who does not submit to God's authority? See, submitting is a human problem. We don't like it. I don't like it. Our human nature doesn't like this idea of submitting. James Dobson, who is the founder of Focus on the Family, has written numbers of books, but he, he wrote uh, uh, lots of books about raising children and and one of his books, he says, every family has two kinds of children. They have compliant children and they have defiant children. And studies and data show there's always twice as many defiant children in the family as there are compliant families, uh, compliant children. And I think that is true. I think that carries over actually even to adulthood. And I think the Bible actually confirms that when you look at Isaiah 53. It says we're all like sheep and all of us have gone astray. We've all done our own thing because we like to do our own thing. But here's what I'm starting to discover. Without submission, there's no protection. There's no safety. There's no security. Now this word uh, submit in, in verse 3, it's actually a military term. And um, it's also a, what they call a present participle, which means this idea of submit. It's not a one-time thing. It's like a constant thing. It's ongoing. I submit today. I submit this afternoon. I submit this evening. I will submit tomorrow. I'll submit next week, next month. It's ongoing. It's used 38 times, actually, in the New Testament. And I struggle with it, man. I really do. Submission. In fact, if you're watching, you may want to put that, type that in as well, like, if that's true for you. Yeah, I get it, Donald. I do struggle with this whole idea of submission. Because we worship freedom. We love freedom. 
We don't like to submit, and we've lived in a country where we have enjoyed freedom for generations upon generations, and we do not like it when people infringe on our freedom. Now, notice there in verse 13 also, there is no, there's no conditional clause. You know, submit yourself if it's reasonable. Uh, submit yourself if you agree with the authority. Submit yourself if it's financially good for you. No, there, there's no conditional clause. It just says submit. Now, what's interesting, this is not a political issue. This is not even a um, horizontal issue. This is a vertical issue. And Peter makes it very plain to us, this is a worship issue. This is actually a spiritual issue. Now, when you continue to read there in verse 13, you kind of hope that maybe Peter's going to be a little bit reasonable when, he, when he's going to continue, like, who are we to submit to? Well, he goes on to say, the emperor. All human authorities, and it goes on to talk about the emperor. Now, remember who the emperor is. Who Caesar is? It's Nero. I don't think there is um, uh, another emperor that was more cruel to Christians in the first century than Nero. Remember, he's evil, he's corrupt, he's twisted. Um, individual, he killed his mother, he killed his first wife, he killed his second wife, he set Rome on fire. And you know two of the most famous people that he killed that probably you know of? The Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. And Peter's saying, submit to that emperor. Peter, you're, what, what, what's going on with you? Submit to the man who's actually going to take your life? The man who actually takes Christians and sets them on fire to light up his garden parties? Remember, there's no free speech during this time. There's no opportunities to vote somebody out. This is not a democracy. This is Caesar who is like a god. And Peter is saying, Submit. Goes on to say governors, which if you kind of look at that, maybe modernize that a little bit, it would be like, you know, for us to be submissive to, you know, the prime minister, the premier, the MPs, the mayor, the city council, um, the police officers. The word that I struggle with the most here in verse 13 is the word every. That is a hard pill to swallow for me. Submit yourself to every human authority. You know, it's easy when some authority that you agree with, you know, maybe you might not agree with every decision, but some of those decisions you agree with. And so it might be easy, but we're told to submit to all the, the restrictions that we don't, like bylaws. Uh, like when they ask you to get a permit for building your deck on your house. Yeah, that would be submitting to them. Even though you think, well, it's my house, why should I have to get a permit to build a deck? But that's being submissive every human authority now when i when i was reading through this i'm thinking peter think it through what you're what you're saying it almost sounds crazy to me i want to ask peter did you have a fever while you were writing this were you a little delirious because honestly it sounds crazy for you to ask us to to submit to every human authority causes me to scratch my head i don't think it's a natural reaction for us to submit to every human authority. I think it takes a supernatural reaction of one who follows the Spirit to control our attitudes and our actions. Now, when I hear that, you know, submit to every human authority, the first thing that goes to my mind, are there any exceptions? There's got to be an exception. There must be some way I can get around this. And, and I think there are. Submit to authorities unless they command you 
to sin. I think there are exceptions. When you're forced to make a decision to be submissive to authorities over God, then things begin to look a little different. And I don't think we've had too many of those uh, times here in the country of Canada. I think there are other countries where Christians have really struggled with that. But I don't think it's that common for us. I can give you a couple of illustrations. Uh, In Exodus chapter 1, if you remember the story, um, the Hebrews, uh, we refer to them as Jewish uh, people, uh, the Israelites, but back in Exodus they were referred to as Hebrews, and of course they were enslaved by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And uh, the Hebrews were growing rapidly, so fast, that people were beginning to get concerned that there would be more slaves that would be able to overtake all the Egyptians. And so Pharaoh calls the midwives together and tells them, for all the Hebrew women, when they have a baby, you can allow the baby girl to live. But if they have a boy, kill the boy at birth. And so some time has gone by, and Pharaoh notices there's still lots of baby Hebrew boys everywhere. He calls the midwives in again, and he says to them, I I told you to kill the baby boys. Basically, he asked them to commit genocide with all the baby boys uh, of the Hebrews. And they say to Pharaoh, oh, oh, Pharaoh, you don't understand. Uh, When the Egyptian women give birth, they take a lot longer. But those Hebrew women, when they go into labor, the babies are already born before the midwives get there. And we, we can't do our job. Because they felt it was more obedient to listen to what God had to say than what the authority had to say. Think of uh, Daniel. Remember when he was serving in, under Darius, King Darius. And Darius had made this rule. For, for the next 30 days, you can only worship me and you can only pray to me. Well, Daniel had to make a decision. Am I going to do that? That's what the king says. But no, he says, no, I, I, I can't do that. I, I've got to pray to God. There's only one that I pray to. And then, of course, we know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. What about in Acts chapter 4, where Peter and the other apostles were gathered together, you know, crowded into... Uh, the police, we'll call it the police station, said, told, you can no longer preach Christ. You've got to stop it right now. This is your last day. And they said, we can't do that. We cannot stop preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. See, when people are doing something wrong to us, we just want to cry, foul, foul, stop, stop, stop. But that's not what Peter is saying. But even in our silence, we have the opportunity to quiet those who speak against us. Also, to do good while you suffer. That's what Peter is trying to tell us. See, what we want to do, when someone's treating us badly, what do we want to do? We just want to get duct tape and put it right over their mouth. Like, stop it. I'm tired of listening to you. But here's what's amazing. God changes hearts when we do good when we're treated wrong. God comes in behind and changes the hearts of men and women when we do good when we're being treated wrong. Verse 16, uh, there in chapter 2, says, Hold on to your freedom. There's this freedom, but this freedom also must must submit to God. You're free, but you're not free to do wrong. You're a slave of God. You're free to serve God. But don't abuse the freedom. That's what Peter is saying there in verse 16. And then it goes on to verse 17. You see it right there. Respect everyone. Really? Really? Everyone, Peter? Everyone? 
It says respect everyone. So you submit to authorities unless they command you to sin. You do good while you're suffering. You hold on to your freedom and you choose to honor everyone. So that even takes it a step farther. It's not just submitting. It's actually saying honor the emperor. And so that's the question. Um, Because we often as Christians sometimes will respond in such a way we frustrate people. Because we demand our rights. And yet Peter is saying, you know, submit to all human authorities. There's a challenge. I, I realize there's, um, there are days coming, and I don't think it's in the, law, in the too distant future, where we're going to feel more like the government is perhaps against the church. I remember two years ago when um, we were applying for those summer grants that, so students could come and be hired and they said governments have, or churches have to sign this piece of paper that said I'm in agreement with all that the government does and, and gender fluidity and gender I- sexual identity. And we looked at that and we thought, um, I don't think we can, we can't sign that. And so at first we all thought, man, this is an attack on the church. Why can't we have the opportunity to have some of those grants to hire a students? And so you began to feel that. I think there's going to be a day coming soon, I, don't, I think it'll probably be my lifetime, where you know, the whole idea of getting tax-deductible um, receipt for giving to the church, I think that's probably will be coming to an end soon. Uh, I think of the, the trans uh, tsunami. You think of Bill, is it B6 or C7? You know, which is going to, if it passes, forbid people like myself to be able to talk about what the Bible says about sexual identity. In fact, some people have referred to that as a, a humanitarian crisis because people will be, forget, be forbidden to help people who ask for help. I realize our government <clears throat> will pass laws maybe about things that we don't agree with. Maybe it's on abortion, maybe on marriage laws, and we're going to be confronted. And the question that we're being asked here is who will we obey, the government or what God says? I don't think as Christians we expect, you know, special treatment. We just want, in our minds, equal treatment. But I think there are many times that, as Christians, maybe we incite people more than we draw them because of how we respond. Because people aren't drawn to Jesus, I think, because of arguments. I think it's because of how we live. So when we're a jerk... It doesn't cause people to come to Jesus. And if we're disliked, I pray that it's because we're living out uh, 2 Peter. Chapter 2, those verses 9, 10, 11, 12. Abstaining from those things that will take you down. I think maybe as Christians, we're in need to view our authority differently. I can't really speak for you. i got to speak for myself. And what I'm saying, I need to have a different view. I need to look at it differently, the authority that is over me when it comes to our government. And in this last year, I've looked over this last year, and I honestly, I haven't been too proud of some of the things that I've said. In fact, I'm a little embarrassed, so that's why when I read this passage of Scripture, I realize it's, it's pointing its finger at me. So how we live, the world observes. Don't kid yourself. How we live, the world observes. Whether you're at your office whether you're in your classroom, whether you're in college, high school, junior high, 
whether you're on a sports team, people do watch and observe. See, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we putting our faith into action. This is what it talks about living out our Christian life as a follower of Jesus. We have been called to be different than how everyone else lives their lives. And, that, and when we live differently, we have the opportunity to silence our critics and perhaps one day, perhaps one day, they'll join us in praising God because of how we lived our lives. What a day that would be when we stand before Jesus and we look around us and we're shocked who's there and then we find out they're there because they observed your lifestyle and they knew something was different about you. We've been called to be different, not like everyone else. Let's live out that calling in our life. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.